0: Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Matt Browning. I'm so glad to be with you this week. Um, it, it's been an incredible week so far and a lot more good stuff to come. I have a privilege right now. I am sitting uh, face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom on the computer with an incredible human being, and I wanna share him with you this week. His name is Dwayne J. Clark. Now, he has done so much in his life. I don't know how to really sum this up. I'm gonna give it a shot. He's the co-founder and CEO of Aegis Living. So it's one of the, the uh, high-end, sought-after, assisted living facilities. Now, they have grown the company, Aegis, from, to more than 30 different locations, 2,500 staff members. And they served, when did you say 50,000 or 60,000 residents over the time now? Yeah, over the course of our history, yeah. it's incredible. 60,000 residents they've served. They've worn all sorts of awards for this, for company culture, for leadership, Best Assisted Living uh, 2015, uh, Best Retirement Facility by 425 Magazine for three years in a row. Um, Glassdoor gave them the top 50 best places to work uh, in 2017, and then top 15 Best Work-Life Balance for their 2,500 employees in 2017 by Glassdoor. He's won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, 2007, Lifetime Achievement Award from Senior Services. Uh, so many things. He's also an author and a playwright. He's written six books now. We're going to talk about his newest book coming out, uh, which is 30 Summers More. That's a very exciting thing. Uh, he has produced several uh, phenomenal documentaries. And and you've seen him all over, uh, all over, my goodness, on, on media galore. He's been on, on TV. He's been on... In, in ink and, and everywhere you can imagine to read or to see him, you've seen uh, my next guest. So, Dwayne J. Clark, how are you, my friend?
1: Good morning, man. How are
0: you? I'm doing awesome. I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you for taking the time as well uh, to share with the audience today. You know, a guy like you, my first question is, I want to just kind of jump right in if that's okay. Okay, good. <laughs> Did yeah. you, you know, growing an enterprise like this, how, how old were you when you started Aegis?
1: Uh, I was about 36 when I started the business plan, 36, 37.
0: So you're, so you're mid thirties there. Did you grow up kind of entrepreneurial? Is this like you, you always want to do something or like, did you have a lemonade stand, that kind of thing as a kid? Or did you grow up with a very different plan? And then you all of a sudden at some point said, well, I should do this. Yeah, that's a a great
1: question, Matt. I, um, I grew up in extreme poverty and I think it's the greatest business school in the world. because. Growing up in extreme poverty, you know, I, I tell people uh, it was rocket fuel for me because I wanted to run from the way I grew up and have a di- very different lifestyle. What's
0: an so, example of extreme poverty to you?
1: Well, you know, just a, just we, as have, example. we have a foundation called the Potato Soup Foundation. And my mom was a, a line cook and we ran out of money. We had no food to eat for two weeks. So um, she was a very proper woman, very ethical woman. But she came home one day and she said, I'm gonna have to steal something from work because we don't have any food, and I don't get paid for two weeks. And you know, as a smart aleck kid, I said, "Well, great, steal some steaks." And she gave me a good whack across the chops. And she goes, "You know, this is not a funny situation." Um, The only thing she went to the refrigerator, opened it up. There was an onion, half a can of condensed condensed milk, and some butter in there. She said, "I think I can make potato soup that we could live off for two weeks." So she went and stole about ten pounds of potatoes. She paid it back with interest, and that was probably one of the most profound times, uh, you know, of my life. Because she she talked a lot about, you know, hey, this is a great time for you to think about your life. She was a huge cheerleader of mine, and so um, uh, she said, you know, one of the things one of the things she said during that two week period, she said, I know you're going to go on to greatness and so on, but never forget that, you know, you ate potato soup. And never forget that, you know, during times, you know, you're probably going to have staff that work for you and they're going to have trouble times and you have to, you have to anticipate this for them. And uh, that had a profound effect on me today. We have a potato soup foundation. Uh, We've given hundreds and hundreds of awards and gifts out of that. But I think, I think what it created as a, you know, an inspiring entrepreneur, I was probably 16 at the time, is it created a sensitivity towards the workplace and the workplace culture. And that's why culture has been the absolute uh, guiding star for our company, Aegis Living. And, you know, that's why we've won best company to work for a dozen times, you know, Glassdoor top 50 out of 600,000
0: companies nominated is because, you know, that's that's in my bones. And for you, you know, I, I, I interview a lot of entrepreneurs that are about themselves, and I don't mean that necessarily in a judgy way, but it kind of is you know, the, the Tim Ferriss style, like, you know, four hour work week where it's like, Hey, have a good life, build a business that you can have your toes in the sand and outsource to everywhere and don't have any employees. And I think that that was an idea that got really popular because people felt like, Hey, you know, I didn't get enough or I got stuck in a job system and I don't like my job. So I want freedom for you. What I love about your story is it wasn't that it was that no, no, no. The culture is what saved you. You know, like, that's how you came out of that. Did you always, again, did you always know, this is 16, 17, you start ages at 36, the 20 years in between, did you always know you wanted to build a company that would be cultural, would be um, taking care of people, or was it about getting out of poverty, or did you say, hey, I want to do both of these things at the same time? What was sort of the the dream, Uh, the vision early on?
1: Well, again, I think when you're, when you, when you're living in poverty, you want to do whatever you can to get out of it. And so I think that created an incredible work ethic for me. I was just having this discussion with uh, a foundation that I run and some of the young kids, because um, we, we also own not-for-profit coffee shops called the queen bee. We give hundred percent of the profits away to charity and we're just opening one this week and we hired 15 young people to work and they were all excited. and, And three days later, six of them didn't show up. And so I was talking to one of the kids. I'm like, what's the deal, man? What? they're like, "Oh, you know, it's just not that big a deal. It's Unemployment's it's low. If you don't show up, it's not that big a deal." Growing up. Wow, wow. Yeah, growing up when I was 16, man, if I got a job, that was the biggest privilege in my in my life. And I would do whatever I could to exceed the expectation of my employer. And my mom always said something that was really inspiring to me. She said, "You know, make sure you 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 do a great job in the job you're at." But you should always be looking at what the next advancement is, the next rung on the ladder was. And I think so that that had me that developed a very forward thinking personality for me, where I was always thinking, oh, well, this is my job. What's my boss's job or what's my boss's boss's job? And so I promoted very quickly up the ladder. I don't think it was till I was probably in my 20s till I had this aha moment and said, If I were to own my own company, what would the things that I would be interested in in having in my culture? And you start to realize, you know, especially when you have a a company that's employee intensive, um, that you can be the smartest guy on the block. You can have a great business plan. You can have all this capital. But if you have a a business that's employee intensive, it's the person that's touching that customer every day. You know, no matter if you own a hotel or a restaurant or a resort or Whatever it is, a hospital, it's the person that touches that customer, that that grooms that relationship and builds that trust. And unless that person that's touching the customer is delighted, unless they love your company, your your service chain is broken. And and so, I mean, that's why Nordstrom's got to be Nordstrom, right? Is because the, the customer service was so outstanding. Um, so. I think I think that's the recipe, and I, I learned that in my twenties. And that again, that's become the, the the standard torch for us to bear. Um, and, and there's
0: there's no procedures or processes or manuals that are gonna that are gonna be more important than that element. How do you how do you weed out is the wrong word? How do you weed in the right people and to really to get that? So I guess my my question really is this: Can you hearts huge? can you teach heart or do you look for people with a right heart and then teach them the skills? What's your take on like skills, talent versus heart and how do you find that? Cultivating is one thing, but how do you find it in the first place and how do you out whether or not it's there?
1: You can't train heart, right? Yeah. So you can't say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to train some compassion right into your soul, mister. (laughs) You can't do that. So uh, we have some very innovative techniques. One of the things that we have mastered is a, is a process called the group interview, and I'm not talking about a, 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 an interview where you go in and there's a panel. That's what a lot of people think group interviews is. I'm talking about you get 15 people who apply for the same job, and yes, all yes. interview at the, for the, at the same time. Now, let me tell you what happens. This is a social experience and group dynamics, so before they even go into the interview, they come into the reception area, and they're all gathered there. They're kind of uh, anxious. They're kind of Maybe even some are a little agitated. You get so much information from those people before they even go in. To yes. So the receptionist has each of their names, right? And so you may have the guy that comes in and go, these directions were crap. You know, I can't believe you guys. Your parking sucks. You know, whatever. So during their 15 minutes, and the interview always starts late, so that if, during that 15 minutes they're waiting, you'll, you'll see all this behavior about these people.
0: The other like thing the, that like the real essence, right? Like how they're acting. Absolutely, man. Like mistakes, right? Who these people truly are to their core. You may see
1: some guy that's sitting down, and a woman comes in, and he goes, "Oh, here, take my chair." You know, and we'll purposely not have enough furniture for people to sit on, and so on. So you see all of these gestures about real life that it's off-camera interviewing. And then what's so comical about this is you know you typically have a jerk or two jerks. And then, you know, the VP walks in the room. They're like, oh, Mr. Jones, it's so great to meet you. I've heard so many wonderful, you know, they're kissing your rear, you know.
0: You're like, you're lying right now. You're not even you. That's right.
1: And so then you take him in, you interview him, you ask all these questions, and you ask heartbreaking questions like, what's the most difficult decision you've ever had to make? And you ask this at the end, and you pick a person who you know has compassion and depth, right, because you've been with them now. This interview lasts three hours, so this is at the end of that three-hour period. If a person says, oh, I had to disconnect my parents from life support system, and they get upset and emotional and teary-eyed about it, wow, compassion has come out. If the guy says, well, I really struggled between picking you know, biology or history in college, that was a huge deal for me. Not much depth, you know, not much compassion. The other thing that we do is we have them choose a person that they would hire for position beside themselves. And that's an interesting position in itself because people will lobby for themselves. Like, wow, you know, I, I really think I'm the best for this, but, but other people are very confident. They'll say, you know why? I really appreciate my skills. Jody had some really incredible points here. So you get data and information from the candidates that they're actually interviewing the other candidates while you're at work there as well. So that's, that's one of the things that we do.
0: Well, I mean... I wish we could unpack that for an hour right now. I hope uh, if you're listening to this on, on audio on the podcast feed, make sure that you rewind back about five or 10 minutes and take notes on everything he just said. I mean, that was brilliant. So the, the pattern I keep hearing, though, is it's not about the surface. It's about the depth. And it's right. not about what they answer. It's about how they answer, how they go about the process. And you're discovering values. You're discovering character. You're discovering uh, really human essence, and you're uncovering heart. Right. I mean. Richard Branson talking about kind of a similar idea, you know, with looking for a flight attendant or looking for someone to do customer service for Virgin airlines. And again, it's all about, it's like, I don't care what you tell me and I don't even care what your skill set is. Anyone can learn to serve a cup of coffee or change a bed sheet or whatever it is. I want to know how you're interacting with the other people.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well some of the best interviews I've ever made has been real life situations, but you know, I was a, uh, I was at a brunch on a, on a Sunday and I hired the guy that, that was the manager of the restaurant for the brunch because I saw how compassionate he was and how service-oriented, how the staff interacted with him. And I sat there and observed him for 90 minutes, and it was real life. you know. And I hired him, and you know he, he be, eventually became a president of a company. here was this guy who ran a brunch 20 years ago. Wow.
0: You know, I'll, put that on a bumper sticker for me. What would you say, what's the lesson, what's the principle to live your life by when – like to be the brunch guy, you know, to be the brunch guy turned president, um, to be the hired interview.
1: What what is my tactic about this and finding these people or
0: well like so for me, like say I wanna I wanna have that experience where I go in and, and I do my very best because that is who I am. Right. You know, I, I think something like as I listen to you, I'm thinking, man, like, you know, do your best because you never know who's watching. Yeah. You know, always yeah. show up as your true essence. What's the principle? How would you put that in your mind?
1: Well, I don't think you can fake who you are in life. I mean, that's the first thing. You can't. You can't fake it to make it. You know, you can't. You can't fake who you are. And the true you, the true essence of you, shows up at some point in your life. Whether it's in that receptionist lobby, whether it's the brunch service, whether it's you in you know off camera, the true essence of you is going to show up. So. You know, you you've got to decide how you're going to walk on this world. And, you know, if you've got some bad tendencies, sooner or later, somebody's going to find out about them.
0: That's phenomenal. Now, as you went in to more and more of, you know, building the business, taking care of people, and you take care of people in a lot of different ways. You take care of employees on that level, or right. team members, you take care of the clients, uh, all like there's so much to that and when you get to this level i'm assuming it's almost like does it ever feel like you have two different businesses like you have the business of taking care of the team and then you have no what what is that like for you when you take uh, take care of everyone in your spheres
1: i think it goes back to matt how 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 you want to walk in this world right and so your personality it it generates in a variety of ways. So I have a foundation called D one foundation and it's essentially kids of color that come from impoverished homes that are, that are D one eligible athletes. And, um, you know, I have the same personality with them as I do with my 83 year old residents, as I do with my you know staff that are running the company because it's, it's my essence about, Hey, I want to make a good impact on the world. And, you know, we talked before the show started about, about artifacts. You know, one of my missions in life is to create good artifacts of life. You know, what are you going to do on this planet that lasts longer than you? You know, is that create a foundation? Is that, um, you know, mentor a young person? Is that build a building? Is that write a poem? Is that write a book? Is that write a play? Do a documentary? What are your artifacts of life? Because you know, it's pretty much meaningless that, hey, yeah, I bought my house and I made money and I got a nice car and everything else. But, you know, that really doesn't distinguish you in any way. Um, And I think what really is impactful is if you say, God, uh, you know, God forbid I got hit by a bus today, what would be my artifacts on this planet? What have I done so far? And I think if people approach life in that way, that they would take a much more substantive path life.
0: At what age did you start thinking like that? Is this something that you began thinking early on or was this after getting some success? Because the classic story is you begin climbing the mountain of success. Now you're, you have a company. Now you're getting things going. And then you go, wait a minute, this isn't all there is. What am I leaving behind? Was there a process for you to get to that mentality? And then second is, do you recommend going through the process or you know, if you're 20 years old, should you start thinking right away, hey, I, don't, I haven't started my first business yet, but I want to start thinking like an artifact thinking. Do you recommend yeah. doing that or is it a process one has to go through?
1: Well, I think for me, there was a couple things. I things. I think your comment about, you know, you achieve all the material things and then you say, what else is there? I think I went through a, a process of that. But I also think, you know, one of the benefits of the work I do is I have all these oracles in my life. And I'm, I'm holding hands of people that are literally spending the last few minutes on this planet. And they talk to me about what's important, you know, what, what they wish they would have done,
0: what they did that was important. That's an incredible education. Tremendous. What a classroom. What a classroom, you know? Yeah. yeah.
1: So I think, I think those two things have helped me. Uh, and, I, you know, I have friends that work in the movie industry or professional athletes or whatever. And I, w- I would tell you 90% of them go through this struggle about, okay, I've reached this goal. I've reached this mountaintop. I've reached this pinnacle. What else is there for me that's profound in my life that's that's going to juice me up at the end of the day?
0: It, you know, it's almost like the, there's, there's another problem that comes. You know, I'm a big, big proponent of understanding that we should always solve the previous problem and the future solution always has a new problem, right? And it's like the biggest problem I'm seeing with that is so many people are striving after this dream, this goal, this vision they've had. You know, talk you talked about professional athletes, and I know some of the films, like when you did um, the documentary Full Court, right? The story about right. Spencer Haywood, um, right. super iconic Seattle Sonics, uh, NBA Hall of Famer, phenomenal player. and He's got an amazing story. You look at a guy like that and you could say, wow, like look at what you've achieved. You played in the NBA. You were on the Seattle songs. That was your dream and look look how far you've come. But then once you achieve it, then what? There's usually, like the metaphor I'd use is like when people lose weight for wedding day, right? It's like you look towards your wedding and then eventually you get in the perfect shape and you're ready for your day. And then when the goal's gone, it's like, what's the purpose? Same with retirement. You know, now I'm free. Yeah, but you're not working towards something. Yeah. How do you and you've done I mean again with with documentaries with books with I mean three different you know foundations nonprofits and then some and all and everything you're doing uh, you're a playwright for goodness sakes how do you keep putting something new in front of you how do you stay inspired with the new idea like I figure if I started one foundation I'd go that's amazing yeah. how do you keep inspired with what you've done and what you're continuously doing right cuz potato soup foundation is still going Right. Still going. D one is still going. How do you stay inspired with your creations that you made ten years ago, or whatever the time frame is? As you're still looking forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think my I, I have a fear of boredom. For one, so, <laughs> uh, as silly as that sounds, it's true. I I, I don't want to be mundane. I don't want to be bored. Um, I think this is the, this is the juice of life, man. Um, you know, if I told you, you may love chicken salad, and I say, Matt, you're going to only be able to eat chicken salad the rest of your life. You're like, oh, I love chicken salad. But you know, about day nine, you're not going to love chicken salad. anymore. I think sometimes that's how we approach life. We have a myopic goal of, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work till I'm 62. I'm going to retire. I'm going to go golfing in Arizona. And then... It's like, man, that's not what I thought it would be. The fantasy was much better than the reality. And so, you know, that's how I approach life is that, you know, I'm going to make my life interesting every single day. I'm going to spring out of bed in the morning and use every single day to make it as rich as I possibly can. And, you know, I just encourage your listeners out there to, to escape from the mundane. You know, again, my mother was a great uh, cheerleader for me, having confidence. And I remember when I started my film company, I said, I'm going to make documentaries. And people said, what do you know about making documentaries? And I'd just been to a, a lecture where I heard uh, Melinda Gates, Bill Gates' wife, talk about how she wanted to do something. Bill Gates said, well, there's no reason you can't do it because of the internet and, you know, all the tutorials out there. Anybody that wants to do anything can find out if they're passionate about it We'll put in the study. So that's what I did. And so anything your guys want to do, they're listening. If you're passionate about, there's so much information, so much access, nothing you can't do. And,
0: and, and whether it's an Indiegogo or a, a, you know, doing a crowdfunding or whether it's, you know, figuring out how to sell something or just creating something that you desire and love, even if it's something that you don't think I don't know, it doesn't exist out there, you know, there's no reason why you should be able to like, you know, here you are, Dwayne, like you have, again, I said, so a smorgasbord of passion projects. And that's, I think, the most enticing, exciting thing about this whole conversation to me is you are not a one-dimensional human where you said, well, I'm an assisted living guy and I just help people uh, that need assisted living and that's what I do and that's who I am. It's like, that's not who you are. Um, yeah. Can you speak to a little bit about um, identity, maybe? You know, knowing that what you do isn't who you are, because I think you're probably the poster child for that statement, What's yeah. your take on it? What do you think about it? Kind of chat me up on, on your role and identity for an entrepreneur. Well,
1: that's an excellent question, Matt, because I think, you know, uh, I love my company. I love the work we do. It's, it's meaningful work, but it's not sexy work. You know, when you tell <laughs> somebody you work with retirement housing, they're like, oh, my God, wow, that's so sexy. So I want to be was, just like you. Yeah, exactly. I've dreamed of that since I was six. So you know that was one of the things that was always bothered me, and you know we have incredible, beautiful architecture that looks like of course, Seasons hotels and so on. But I didn't want to be known as the the old folks guy, and um, and I think I have a lot more to offer the world than just being that. So I looked at my skill set and said, "Hey, how transferable are these skills? You know, I'm a really creative person. Can that be put to use in writing a play? Um, can it be put to use in terms of?" Uh, you know, writing a, a book or making a movie or whatever. And, you know, my, my book, 30 Summers More, that's coming out, I, I essentially uh, was on a bad track health-wise and ended up in the hospital one day. And, I, and I'd been writing this book. That I was going to write about the 60,000 residents that I thought. And I got to the hospital, and I'm sitting there for three days, I asked my wife to bring the script that I'd only been working on a few months. And I started reading, and I go, this, this is not about my 60,000 residents that I've taken care of. This is about me. Shame on me that I haven't taken the, the wisdom and the advice of these people who've lived to 100 years old. I've got to change my life. And from that point forward, the book took a different direction. And uh, you know, I lost 50 pounds. Uh, I started doing transcendental meditation, working out differently, eating differently, having you know, different way of thinking, even what TV I watched. I mean, it got into all kinds of things and uh, you know, it dramatically changed my life. And, you know, I just turned 60 and you have to, uh, you know, I plan on working in well into my eighties. You you have to, you have to live your life differently. If you want to be, you know, an A-level athlete in the way you train. And that, 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 that's one of the things this book helps people do.
0: So, the book is thirty summers more." And I'm very excited about this. We we're just going to segue to that, but th- that was beautiful. So it comes out in June. You get it on Amazon wherever books are sold, thirty summers more. So the inspiration originally was about all the residents and their lessons, and really, it became, and this is what I love is what you just shared is a good story, right? Like like any a good movie, a good documentary, a good book is a good story. And this is this this amazing story of essentially you. Redeeming you, you realizing that you're the one with the 30 summers more. Yeah. Uh, so do you get like when you're reading this, is this for someone who is 60? Is this for any different age group? What are we what are we wanting to get out of that? Um, because it sounds inspiring already, right? Like I want to yeah. know if my summers are counted. Yeah. And I got roughly 30 of them. Is it a question of what am I going to do with them? Or is it gonna explain a little more about like yeah. what well, I'm getting out of that? Cause that's so exciting to me.
1: The 30 Summers More was more, uh, I was sitting on the beach with a buddy of mine, and this was about four years ago, and he goes, you know, I probably think we got about 30 summers more, you know. I thought, wow, that's an interesting concept to think of life and longevity that way. And so, you know, I, I would say a 25-year-old could read this book and get great benefit out of it, because it, it, it has great health practices from around the world. I, I've traveled to 82 countries. Um, I just got back from Iceland three days ago. And you know, every country I go to, I talk to the people. I look at their longevity practices. I was, you know, four days ago, I was out in the Blue Lagoon in Iceland at 28 degrees in an ice storm, getting a lava scrub because they said it was good for my health. Now, I'm not sure I'd recommend that. Do for two hours. <laughs> I was looking for a miner's helmet and some scuba gear out in that weather, but you know, it was, uh, you know, that's net. The, they're the fourth happiest country in the world, and they their men lived the longest of any men in Europe, over 81 years of age, four years longer than American men. So they have some wisdom.
0: Something so, to the lava scrub, I would assume. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I, I think the book is really meant to give you all kinds of little tips on how to live your, your, your life well. And if you're, a, you know, if you're a serial entrepreneur, the thing I will tell you, being an entrepreneur now for almost 40 years, is you've got to take care of your mind and body. It's, it's like you have to train like a pro athlete. And the sharper you are, the better you're doing business. And you don't think of those things when you're 30 or 35, maybe even 40. But, man, you will have an edge in business if you take care of yourself. And so the book is chocked with tips about how to do that. Like A great example, a very simple example, um, in Japan, when I was in Japan, I was talking to people one of the things they do is they keep a glass of room temperature water. Uh, by their bedside all night, and the first thing they do before they're he- in the morning, before their feet hit the floor, before they go pee, is they drink that water down. Now you're gonna say, well, what's the big deal, Dwayne? Well, during the night, your body will lose anywhere from 15 to 20 ounces of water, and what happens is that's when you get brain fog, and all the cells that die in your body that can do bad things to you need to be flushed. Now, what m- most people do, I see you drinking your water. Good for you, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing, agree, guys, hydrate. After they pee, they go and drink a big cup of coffee. What does coffee do? What dehydrates you? Yeah. So you're saying, oh God, I've got this brain fog. So just do this, guys. Just go out first thing in the morning, drink room temperature, not cold. If you drink cold, your body has to warm that that, that water up and it, it it takes a toll on your body. Just drink 12 to 15 ounces of room temperature water, chug it down, then go out to the bathroom, your day will start completely different. That one simple tip. It starts your metabolism. It gets rid of your dead cells. It gets rid of brain fog. You, I, I get so many cards and letters from people say, that really changed my life. Simple tip. It's said. so awesome.
0: So the book is 30 summers more. It comes out in June on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. Make sure you get that there. And let's also push it to, to a number one bestseller. Uh, so if you're listening to this in June, get the book right now. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to get my copy as well. I'm going to pre-order as soon as it's available. Uh, Dwayne J. Clark, man, thank you so much. I know we're just coming out. Um, On time right now and I want to get you back to your life thank you for for taking the time with us thanks man live
1: long live strong
0: man hey man final final question and this is a real simple one but maybe complex if you could change anything over your history and your past and all that you've done and lived and accomplished in your life would you change anything what would it be or would you leave it all the same
1: I would leave it absolutely the same I I think even the painful things that have happened in my life have been good lessons and 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 guiding principles for me, and uh, you know the people that say, "Oh God, this happened in my life, or that happened in my life," and take those as lessons. Dr. Wayne Dyer, I don't remember him, but he he influenced me a lot. He used to tell me, "Learn in reverse, Wayne. Learn in reverse," which meant you know if you think you're going backwards, use those as as really great examples of how to how to
0: advance. So you leave it all the same, potatoes and all.
1: Exactly, man.
0: (laughs) Potatoes and all,
1: and I still love potato soup. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Dwayne J. Clark, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Guys, you can follow Dwayne J. Clark on Instagram at Dwayne J. Clark. Facebook at Dwayne J. Clark. And his website, shockingly, is Dwayne J. Clark. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E, DwayneJClark.com. Check out the book, 30 Summers More. That's amazing. Also, you can, of course, if you go to his website, Dwayne J. Clark, you can see... Uh, the history, check out some of the documentaries like Full Court, uh, My Mother, My Son, which is a memoir turned into a film uh, with renowned director Erwin Winkler. Uh, So many different great films. And check out the foundations. You have the D1 Foundation serving underprivileged youth, the Queen Bee Cafes that are Seattle-based and with two different locations. So he's moving more and more on there, supporting amazing uh, charities like the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club and so forth. And the Potato Soup Foundation, which of course is all about, well, his story. and the foundation helps treat people for a medical emergency treatment, emergency housing, funeral expenses, and crisis situations. Um, so grateful to to have a guy like this on our show. Um, so reach out to him on social media and get the book. It's phenomenal. guys. thanks for listening, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. if you haven't already, pop over to iTunes and do that. If you're listening to the car, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And follow me on social media. We'll put some Instagrams up uh, from maybe some shots of me and Dwayne here uh, at Matt Browning. Thanks so much for listening. And as usual, get out there and crush it.